This is Over the Culture Podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like dumb bitches. And I'm your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Treblank, Luther Sutherland, Luke Fly Talker, the most interesting blurred in podcasting, the troll of trolls, the prince of Eddie, Steve G. It's June 12th, 2022. And you know what, people? These dating apps, these fucking dating apps will have you matched up with someone who you probably typically wouldn't talk to or even deal with in any capacity in real life. These dating apps will have you matched up with people who you don't even realize you matched up with until you talk to them. And that happened to me again. I've been doing this dating app thing for quite some time, and it's been an interesting ride. Uh, most recently, I matched with a girl on OkCupid, and I want to say within five minutes of our conversation, uh, I think she was one of those men-hating black feminists. And it really irks me when I hear the term black feminists as if black men have been the problem, black women have been held back. Um, like what position and what kind of power do black men have that is holding the black woman back? Most of the black men I know are in support of their sisters, of their fellow black people of the fair gender. I mean, so when people say black feminists, it's just like, what are we really doing here? Well, what is the end goal? And she didn't quite say the word black feminist, but just her energy and from her responses to some of my questions, uh, I, I could tell. I could just tell. And, you know, one of my icebreakers, one of my mini icebreakers is, uh, you know, talking about comedy. I'm a big fan of comedy, if you can tell. And I asked her who are some of her favorite comedians, and it just became this whole uh anti-patriarchal system of how men have just been in power of comedy and women uh, just women don't have a voice and talking about Chappelle how he's transphobic which he's not and how Trumpers are coming out in droves to support him and to come see his shows and I don't think Chappelle picks and chooses his audience uh, and, and if that's the case if Trumpers and right-wingers and MAGA hats are coming to Chappelle shows um, and if it's because they think he's transphobic, then they're sadly mistaken. It's kind of like Jay-Z said, do you fools listen to the music or do you just skim through it? People take headlines and sound clips and bites, and I believe that's what this sister did. I, I really wanted to ask her, do you even like men? If you feel like this about Dave Chappelle, you feel like this about a lot of things. I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't know if this is work. So I, and I, I guess, you know, because I have patience, or at least I did that day, and I just have this unmatchable knack of torturing myself, uh, I upped it in Auntie, and I, I asked her, do you mind video chatting? Maybe, maybe things uh, can resonate better if I could see her facial expressions when she's going on these little anti-dick rants. 
Um, and, you know, maybe there's no like malice behind it. You know, maybe I could see, uh, you know, she, she doesn't mean anything by it. Maybe she's just ignorant. So we did the video chat. We, we, we took it up a notch. We video chatted and, you know, all was well by the end of the conversation. And, uh, you know, so much to the point where I offered to meet up with her that following day. Let's have a meet and greet in person. And so the next day comes, uh, I had to get my hair cut. Uh, I was moving late. I got a late start. And, you know, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't feeling, you know, it's like, man, I got my hair cut. And, you know, I know I was supposed to meet up with this girl later, but... Based on our conversation, I really don't think it's going to be worth my time. And get this too, people. Gas costs $5 now. $5 a fucking gallon. So my thing is also this. Uh, if I go out to a place to meet you, we go together. Fuck the preliminary shit. And I just knew that this was a girl I could not deal with much more than a day especially after I come. And I hate to call this just a dumb bitch because, you know, she seems very intelligent. You know, she has a vocabulary. She can put words together, and I'm sure she could spell to three. But because of her anti-men, dicks or evil jargon that she was slinging to me over the phone, I just had a knack. I just had a, I, I, I knew that, you know what, this girl is going to end up pissing me off in reality, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so I know called no showed. That's what I did. I didn't respond to her text. I think she says, uh, so I guess we're not on for today. Like, and I'm thinking, bitch, we're, we are never going to be on. We are never going to be on, dumb bitch. And I really, I'm calling her a dumb bitch because, you know, it, it, it was nonsense. Uh, the, the Chappelle shit, uh, she, you know, just very super politically correct about everything. Well, you can't say that. You can't call, you can't use that joke about mental institutions because people have mental health issues. Bitch, it's a joke, bitch. I got a lot of crazy cousins. Shit, bitch, I'm crazy, shit. You can't say that. You know, Chappelle, he can do this and blah, 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 blah. Louis C.K., he can do this, blah, 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 blah. But if the women did it, blah, 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 blah. man, shut up, dumb bitch. And, and you know what? I wonder if that is like the insensitive slant towards feminists. Like the N word is to black people. Like the F word is for gay people. Dumb bitch. I'm sure that would just really rattle their bones. Just calling it a feminist that. Shut up, dumb bitch. Because it attacks them on two different reasons. Like, I'm attacking your intelligence, I'm calling you dumb, and I'm just breaking all, through all of that uh, women's lib fucking shield that you're carrying that I don't know, once again, what's the end game, bitch? Calling a woman a bitch. Uh, I mean, unless you're one of her homegirls on some, like, city girl shit. Yeah, it's bitch. I bitch. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna be doing ball-headed hoe shit, bitch. Shut up, dumb bitch. So, yeah, I, I, I don't like those dumb bitches either. Um, and, and from the makers of Hot Girl Summer, I bring to you Toxic Boy Summer. That's right. Toxic Boy Summer is making plans to see a woman on a date or a meet and greet and just no call, no show. Just not showing up like the shit 
never happened. The plans were never arranged. The conversation was never had. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll see you at the bar around uh, 4 o'clock tomorrow. We'll want to beat traffic hour. All right, I'll be there. And then the day comes, the time comes. We're getting closer to 4 o'clock. No call, no show. And that's not intentional. You just, you know, hey, my heart, it was in it, maybe, at one time. And then, you know, my better judgment got the best of me. Toxic boy summer. Yes, bitch, yes. Now, I don't really have a lot of time today. It's a jam-packed weekend. So I really want to get to these NBA finals and how disappointed I am in the Boston Celtics. Uh, like I said before, I never really cared about Boston until they got KG. And I, I did go for them both times when they played the Lakers. And I'm going for them this time, playing against Golden State. Now, they were up 2-1 going into game four. And they were up most of the game, at least most of the second half. And it was a good game until Golden State just took over. And by Golden State, I mean Wardell, Steph Curry. Um, I, I talk shit about the man, and I give him his flowers. I give him his props where it's due. But at the same time, fuck Steph Curry. Don't talk to me about no goddamn Steph Curry. I see the same game you do. I watch the same plays, the same clips, the same goddamn highlights. I get it. He's fucking great. All right? He can shoot his ass off. Nick can shoot. He can run off picks. All that shit. But fuck him. And he went off for 40-plus. I think a 43-piece in Boston, in the TD Garden. And Jason Tatum, dude, you have got to stop bringing up Kobe's name. I don't want to see another Mamba mentality, number 24, uh, uh, parody, redoing of any of his iconic photos with your face on it because you did not show up in the fourth quarter, my friend. You did not show up, and Kobe would never. He could never. You're missing technical foul free throws. You should not, you, you need all of the points. Every point matters in the NBA Finals. Jason Tatum. Now, luckily, Jalen Brown, he tried. Uh, what was it? The, the Migs kid with the, with the big forehead. I think his last name is White. He tried. They, they did the, you got a supporting cast. But you, Jason Tatum, you are the franchise player. They're putting your face above others, above Jalen Brown, above Al Horford, above Marcus, wicked smart. My, my, my roommate calls him Marcus. He's wicked smart. But you, Tatum, you're supposed to be the go-to guy in crunch time, in fourth quarter, and you're building houses from the three-point arc, from the midpoint arc, in the paint, under the rim. You, you should have had a 50-piece or a 40-piece your goddamn self, Jason Tatum. So, now the series is tied 2-2, and they're going back to Golden State. It, it goes Golden State, back to Boston, then back to Golden State if we get a Game 7. But, man, you know, if, if Curry continues this, Golden State's going to win, and Curry's going to finally get his finals MVP. Um, but just come on, Boston. That was your opportunity. Everyone else on Golden State was playing like shite. Clay with a K, he wasn't hitting. Draymond, he was showing his true colors. Dude, Charles Barkley said it best. 
if you were if this was a boy band you would be the member that no one gave a fuck about Draymond Green would be Chris Kirkpatrick and you can get your ass kicked worse than them little Limp biscuit bastards shout out to Fred Durst now on Friday XXXTentacion posthumously releases his compilation album Look At Me Now the album uh, it's accompanied by the documentary that I talked about last week uh, that came out on Hulu and you know I, the story his story is uh, you know it's one of a kind, you know, like like a lot of rappers raised by a single mother and, uh, you know, worse than Tupac and Biggie. He didn't even get to live to see legal drinking age. He died at 20. He, he was murdered in uh, 2018 at the age of 20. And look at me now, the album, it, it's very, uh, it's got a lot of ambience. It, there's some uh, weekend inspired uh, ballad, uh, but they in the pocket those tracks are in the pocket you know he's a rapper but you know he also does a lot of that crossover singing type shit but the shit is uh, mellow out music shit that i can chill with vibe with smoke one and at the same time his turn up shit is fire uh his compilation look at me now the album it actually has features from kanye and uh quite a few from his buddy uh ski mask the slump god uh, you know, that was one of his uh, best friends uh, that he met in this industry, in the, in the hip hop industry. And, uh, you know, if you were a fan of any of the SoundCloud era rappers, you know, you should definitely check this out because it is um, a masterpiece. It, it is, you know, it's got some of his best shit on there. Uh, and XXX and Tashion, he was a leader of that new school. But all things June 12th, in 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones film directed by Steven Spielberg, produced by George Lucas and starring Harrison Ford, premieres in theaters. In 1985, Megadeth releases their debut album, Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. The band was given an $8,000 budget to record and produce the project, and they fired their original producer after spending most of that budget on drugs and alcohol, and they ended up recording it themselves and producing it themselves. And it would get critical acclaim uh, despite the poor budget and low production value. And uh, Megadeth, man, they're considered forerunners of the thrash and heavy metal movement in the 80s. In 1987, The Witches of Eastwick and Predator, the first Predator, premiered in theaters. In 1990, Anita Baker releases the album Compositions, and Keith Sweat releases the album I'll Give All My Love To You, with his begging ass. Oh, and on that same day, Mariah Carey releases her debut album, Mariah Carey. In 1992, House Sitter, starring Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn, premiered in theaters. In 1998, the movie Can't Hardly Wait premiered. In 2001, AZ releases the album Nine Lives, and he's one of the most undercredited MCs in the history of hip-hop. And on that same day in 01, Blink-182 releases Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. In 2005, Pink Floyd announced that they will reunite with former bassist Roger Waters, who left the band in 1985 on July 2nd for the Live Aid London concert. This would be the first time the band played together as a quartet since the Wall Tour in 1981 and the first public performance by Pink Floyd since 1994. 
In 2007, DJ Khaled releases the album We The Best and fabulous releases from Nothing To Something. In 2013, the movie This Is The Yen premiered in theaters. In 2015, Jurassic World premiered in theaters. In 2018, Harvey Weinstein pleads not guilty to rape and sexual assault charges in court in New York. Yeah, right, Harvey, right. In 2020, the movies The King of Staten Island with that unfunny motherfucker Pete Davidson and Defy Bloods premiered. But more important to me than all of that shit, in 1998, when Can't Hardly Wait premiered in theaters, Dirty Work premiered, starring Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang, directed by Bob Saget. And I remember watching this on TV, uh, you know, when they released it to cable. And it is a cult classic. I fell in love at first sight. And Norm MacDonald, R.I.P., Bob Saget, R.I.P., uh, comedic geniuses. They both have their own unique sense of humor. Uh, pretty dark, but at the same time, very childish. And, you know, as a teenager in the 90s, I, I heavily appreciate that kind of humor. I heavily appreciate that kind of humor as a 38-year-old man. And I don't know, maybe that's to my detriment, but God's working on me still. And, uh, you know, it also had cameos from Chris Farley. This was uh, Chris Farley's actual last film before he passed away. R.I.P. to him. Uh, and Gary Coleman, R.I.P., he played a cameo. Uh, Adam Sandler, he plays a role as Satan. And Don Rickles, one of the most funny motherfuckers ever, uh, he plays a theater manager. R.I.P. to him. Um, so just so many great comedic minds. Oh, and there's also Chevy Chase. But uh, yeah, even Jack Warner, the, the grandpa from Problem Child, I always thought he was fucking hilarious. If you needed a cantankerous old man that just doesn't get these dumb kids, Jack Warner was your guy. And uh, dirty work, man. Not enough it has been said. Um, I, I really feel like not enough people who call themselves comedy fans even know about this movie. And that's what I'm here for. Today in sports history, in 1939, the Baseball Hall of Fame is dedicated in Cooperstown, New York. In 1950, following his retirement announcement after 49 years as the Philadelphia Athletics manager, Connie Mack is named honorary manager of the MLB All-Star Game. In 1957, Stan Musial plays in his 823rd game, setting the record for the National League consecutive game streak. In 1970, Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Doc Ellis has a no-hitter against the San Diego Padres in San Diego Stadium. In 1975, Hank Aaron smacks his first home run in Milwaukee since 1965 as his new team. The Brewers beat the Oakland A's 9-7. In 1979, the Detroit Tigers fire manager Les Moss and hiring Sparky Anderson, who stays until 1995, including a World Series title in 84 and AL Manager of the Year award in 84 and 87. In 1981, baseball players begin a 50-day strike, their third strike. And on that same day, Larry Holmes TKOs Leon Spinks in three rounds for the WBC heavyweight boxing title. In 1984, the 38th NBA championship is held. The Boston Celtics beat the LA Lakers four games to three to win the championship title. In 1990, 
New York Yankee reliever Dave Rigetti becomes the ninth person to record 200 saves. And on that same day, Oakland A's Ricky Henderson becomes the second person to steal 900 bases. Also in 1990, Orioles' Cal Ripken plays in his 1,308th consecutive game to move past Everett Scott in second place on the all-time list. In 1991, the NBA Finals are held. The Chicago Bulls beat the LA Lakers 108-101 in Game 5 for the first of three straight titles. The MVP is Michael Jordan in his first NBA Finals appearance. In 1997, the first ever baseball regular season interleague game is held. The San Francisco Giants beat the Texas Rangers 4-3. In 2002, the NBA Finals are held again and the Los Angeles Lakers beat the New Jersey Nets 113-107 for a 4-0 sweep and a third straight title. The MVP is Shaquille O'Neal for the third consecutive final series. In 2009, the Stanley Cup Final is held at Joe Louis Arena, Detroit, Michigan. The Pittsburgh Penguins edge out the Detroit Red Wings 2-1 for a 4-3 series win. It's the Penguins' third championship. In 2011, the NBA Finals are held again. The Dallas Mavericks beat the Miami Heat 105-95 in Game 6 for the first title in franchise history. The MVP is Dirk Nowitzki. In 2016, Cristiano Ronaldo becomes the first footballer to top Forbes' highest paid athletes list, earning $88 million. Also in 2016, the Stanley Cup Finals are held at the Sap Center in San Jose, California. The Pittsburgh Penguins defeat the San Jose Sharks 3-1 for a 4-2 series victory. It's the Penguins' fourth title. In 2017, the NBA Finals are held again. The Golden State Warriors beat defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers 129-120 in Game 5 to win the series 4-1. First time, same teams had met for a third consecutive year and the MVP is Kevin Durant. Fuck y'all. And in 2019, the Stanley Cup Final is held at TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. The St. Louis Blues beat the Boston Bruins 4-1 for a 4-3 series victory. It's the first title in franchise history. And that was my half-assed sports report. Coming up, I'm going to talk about the film Dirty Work, starring Norm MacDonald and Arlie Lang, as it was released on this day in 1998. We'll be black after these messages. What we're going to do right here is go back. My innocence too young for me to remember Raised up on a black code It's February, January, December Essentially was meant to be an MC Since birth, the sky's the limit I fly up in an infinity But first I work my hustle to a grind To get the grip, ain't nobody cold as this Triple double, no assist Looking for me in my room Only to find I took the early route I know I must've gave my mama plenty of shit To worry about, but there was a method To my madness, put bread in the basket I'll be a star one day if I don't end up dead in the casket Haters just have me laughing Only trying to see me fall They don't know that I'm at my best When my back's against the wall You better be believing in yourself Without a doubt Cause if you don't go with there You're about to go without 
Uh, don't ever let them kill your dreams, just take it from the heart. Your focus has to be precise when you're aiming for the stars. Not trying to live dormant, but more like George Foreman. Cause when the mic is on, I'm Michael Jordan scoring. Prepare for the Megatron, a lexicon Wildcat, like I used to go to school in Lexington I dwell amongst unaware vagabonds Digitally mastered these slaves, that's analog One giggity, why you one dimensional? I'm cooking like fishing grits in grandmama's kitchen, no Ranked hot in my division, you're highly unoriginal I made a decision to make these other rappers miserable Hip-hop was my father cause my real one was invisible So I should be an MC off general fucking principle Everything is critical, everything is pivotal Metaphorically I make your metaphors look pitiful Yeah, and where it all began Glass City, T-Town, Southeast of Michigan Yeah Master, chilling with flux, dropping bombs, better bring your gas mask and causing problems on instrumentals. Losing my mind, going mental, psych. I'm going dental, breaking teeth, shattering veneers. Took it to the south to get my mind clear. Now I'm what every woman want, like the beers. That's dining some seas a hymen. I spit that gospel like the whinings with perfect timing. Steve G, Mo Prime, yeah, we rhyming. Ron J from the lakes to Galveston Bay. Pick a direction, we parlay. Night, day, to all my fly ladies, can I get a hate? To all my real dogs, yo, can I get a hope? Y'all know we don't stop till we bees on top. Getting cream off crop, let the scene just drop. Uh. And a special mention to those no longer with us. Last Sunday, we lost American rapper Trouble. Born Mario Samante Orr on November 4, 1987 in Atlanta, Georgia, he started rapping at the age of 14. In August of 2011, Complex included Trouble and its 15 new rappers to watch out for list. In 2013, he was also included in XXL Magazine's 15 Atlanta Rappers You Should Know list. In 2017, Trouble signed a record deal with Mike Will made its record label, Earl Drummer Records, and Interscope Records. On June 5, 2022, 
or was shot in the chest during a home invasion at the Rockdale County apartment of a female companion. He was transported to a hospital where he died at age 34. The suspect, Jamichael Jones, did not know Orr and was involved in a domestic dispute with the woman. On Wednesday, we lost American professional basketball player, George Thompson. Born on November 29, 1947 in Brooklyn, New York, he attended Erasmus Hall High School from which he graduated in 1965. He then attended Marquette University where he played for coach Al McGuire. He held the Marquette scoring record for 40 years and held the single season scoring record of over 20 points per game for 50 years before his record was broken by Marcus Howard. He was selected by the Boston Celtics in the fifth round of the 1969 NBA Draft, but began his career with the Pittsburgh Pipers of the upstart American Basketball Association. Thompson played five seasons from 1969 to 1974 in the ABA, including two with the Memphis Tams, appearing as an all-star three times. He then played one season with the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA in 1974 to 1975. He scored 8,114 points combined, ABA and NBA career points. Thompson holds the ABA record for free throws attempted in a single game with 30. Thompson was elected to the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame in 2001. He was inducted into the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame in 2013. Thompson is also in the Marquette Hall of Fame and was inducted into the Brooklyn, New York Hall of Fame in October of 2016. He died on June 8, 2022, of complications from diabetes. He was 74 at the time of his death. Don Perkins was an American professional football player. Born Donald Anthony Perkins on March 4, 1938 in Waterloo, Iowa, he was a fullback in the National Football League for the Dallas Cowboys. He played college football at the University of New Mexico. Perkins was a football analyst for CBS Sports, ABC Sports, and other television and radio networks. He was the director of the Work Incentive Program for the State of New Mexico Department of Human Services from 1972 to 1985. He served on both the executive board of U.S. West and the board of trustees for the University Hospital from 1990 to 1993. He was a member of the Northwest Mesa branch of the NAACP. A father of four children and grandfather of 11, he was active in local theater, public speaking, and broadcasting at the local and national level. He retired in the city of Albuquerque. Perkins died on June 9, 2022, at the age of 84. Brad Delp was an American musician. Born Bradley Edward Delp on June 12, 1951, in Peabody, Massachusetts, he's best known as the original lead vocalist for the rock band Boston. He joined Boston in 1970 and provided rhythm guitar and lead vocals. Sometime between 11 p.m. on March 8th and 1.20 a.m. on March 9th, 2007, Dub committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning in his home on 55 Academy Avenue in Atkinson, New Hampshire. He left various notes scattered from his car to the interior of his home. The Atkinson police discovered his body on the floor of his master bathroom after his fiancée, Pamela Sullivan, saw a dryer vent tube connected to the exhaust pipe of Delp's car. Two charcoal grills were found to have been placed in the bathtub and lit, causing the room to fill with smoke. A suicide note was paperclipped to the neck of his t-shirt, which read the same as a character's note from Twin Peaks, Mr. Brad Delp, Jai Un Ame Salataire, 
I am a lonely soul. Delp left four sealed envelopes in his office addressed to his children, his former wife Mickey, his fiance, and a couple who were not named by the media. He was 55 years old. The following day, Boston's website was temporarily closed down, the webmaster having replaced their homepage with a simple black background and white text message, we've just lost the nicest guy in rock and roll. Jim Neighbors was an American actor, singer, and comedian. Born James Thurston Neighbors on June 12, 1930 in Sylacauga, Alabama, he's widely known for his signature character, Gomer Pyle. Neighbors was discovered by Andy Griffith while working at a Santa Monica nightclub, and he later joined the Andy Griffith Show, where he played the good-natured, unsophisticated Gomer Pyle. The character proved so popular that Neighbors was given his own successful spin-off show, Gomer Pyle USMC. Neighbors also became a popular guest on variety shows that showcased his rich baritone singing voice in the 1960s and 1970s, including frequent appearances on The Carol Burnett Show and two specials of his own in 1969 and 1974. He signed a recording contract with Columbia Records in 1965 and subsequently recorded numerous albums and singles, most of them containing romantic ballads. He recorded for Randwood Records during the late 1970s. Neighbors was also known for singing Back Home in Indiana before the start of the Indianapolis 500, held annually on the Memorial Day weekend. He sang the unofficial Indiana anthem almost every year from 1972 to 2014, except for occasional absences due to illness or scheduling conflicts. Neighbors died at his Honolulu, Hawaii home on November 30th, 2017, age 87. Vic Damone was an American traditional pop and big band singer, actor, radio and television presenter, and entertainer. Born Vito Rocco Farinola on June 12, 1928 in Brooklyn, New York, he was best known for his performances of songs such as the number one hit, You're Breaking My Heart, and other hits like On the Street Where You Live from My Fair Lady and I Have But One Heart. Damone suffered a stroke in 2002 and another health scare in 2008. He recovered from both and lived until 2018. Damone was married five times and divorced four. He had six grandchildren from his daughters, Tate, Paige, Sloan, Rocco, Daniela, and Grant. Damone died on February 11, 2018 from complications of respiratory illness at the age of 89. Rest easy, y'all. On this day in 1998, Dirty Work premiered in theaters. Dirty Work is a 1998 American buddy black comedy film directed by Bob Saget. Based on the short story, Vengeance is Mine, Incorporated, by Roald Dahl, the film follows longtime friends Mitch, played by Norm MacDonald, and Sam, played by Artie Lang, who start a revenge for hire business and work to fund a heart surgery for Sam's father, Pops, played by Jack Warden. When they take on work for an unscrupulous businessman played by Christopher McDonald in order to be paid, they create a revenge scheme of their own. Trailer Howard also stars, and notable cameo appearances include Don Rickles, Rebecca Romaine, John Goodman, Gary Coleman, Chevy Chase, David Koechner, Chris Farley, and his final film appearance, and Adam Sandler as Satan. The film was the first starring vehicle for McDonald and Lang, and the directorial debut of Saget, coming one year after he left his long-running role as host of America's Funniest Home Videos. 
Though Dirty Work received largely negative critical reviews upon its 1998 release and was a financial disappointment, it has since become a cult classic and has been reappraised more positively by some critics. Co-star Artie Lang later became a regular on The Howard Stern Show, where the film was sometimes discussed. Growing up, friends Mitch Weaver, played by Norm MacDonald, and Sam McKenna, played by Artie Lang, are taught by Sam's hard-nosed dad, Pops McKenna, played by Jack Warden, not to take crap from anyone. To that end, the pair plant a bunch of guns in the schoolyard bully's desk and have him arrested for gun possession. Next, they catch a kid fondling crossing guard in the act after having applied crazy glue to the seat of Mitch's pants. As adults, after losing 14 jobs in three months and being dumped by his girlfriend, Mitch moves in with Sam and Pops, who then has a heart attack. In the hospital, Pops confides that because of their parents' swinging lifestyle, he is also Mitch's father. Even though Pops' heart is failing, Dr. Farthing, played by Chevy Chase, a hopeless gambler, will raise Mr. McKenna's position on the transplant waiting list if he has paid $50,000 to save himself from his bookie. Mitch and Sam get jobs in a cinema with an abusive manager, played by Don Rickles, and exact their revenge by showing men in black, who like to have sex with each other, to a packed house and get their manager fired. The other workers congratulate them and suggest they go into business. Mitch and Sam open Dirty Work, a revenge for hire business. Mitch falls for a woman named Kathy, played by Trailer Howard, who works for a shady used car dealer, played by David Keckner. After publicly embarrassing the dealer during a live TV commercial, the duo exacts increasingly lucrative reprisals for satisfied customers until they interfere with unscrupulous local property developer, Travis Cole, played by Christopher McDonald. Cole tricks them into destroying his apartment building promising to pay them enough to save Pops. Afterwards, Cole reneges, revealing that he is not the owner and that he had them vandalize the building so that he could buy it cheaply, evict the tenants, and build a parking lot for his beloved opera house. Unknown to Cole, Mitch's note to self mini tape recorder captures this confession. Mitch and Sam plot the revenge on Cole, using the tape to set up an elaborate trap. Using skunks, a loyal army of prostitutes, homeless men, a noseless friend, played by Chris Farley, brownies with hallucinogenic additives, and pops, they ruin the opening night of Don Giovanni, an opera sponsored prominently by Cole. With the media present, Mitch plays back Cole's confession over the theater's sound system. Cole sees that his public image is being tarnished and agrees to pay the $50,000. In the end, Cole is punched in the stomach, arrested and jailed. His dog is raped by a skunk, Pops get his operation, and Mitch gets the girl. Dr. Farthing overcomes his gambling habit, but gets beaten to death by bookies anyway. That's it. Bye. Filmed at Wycliffe College and elsewhere around Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the film was produced for an estimated $13 million. In his first appearance on The Howard Stern Show on September 18, 2008, Chevy Chase discussed the film's production and release with Artie Lang. According to Chase, he was impressed by the original script's raunchy R-rated over-the-top tone, and Lang related, went so far as to beg McDonald not to allow any changes to keep it funny. Lang said the studio insisted on a PG-13 rating and moved the film's release from the February dump months to June, where it fared poorly against blockbusters like Godzilla. During production, Norm McDonald was embroiled in a feud with Don Olmeyer, then an executive with NBC. 
Olmeyer, a friend of O.J. Simpson, took offense at McDonald's frequent and pointed jokes about Simpson on Weekend Update and had McDonald fired from the position. Olmeyer went further and refused to sell advertising space or air commercials for Dirty Work. NBC eventually relented a week after the film premiered. Dirty Work was Chris Farley's last release film appearance, filmed before his fatal drug overdose in December 1997. Norm MacDonald offered Howard Stern the role of Satan, but he declined. Adam Sandler was eventually cast instead. Critics mostly gave negative reviews. It was referred to as a leaden, taste-deprived attempted comedy, and a desert of comedy with only infrequent humor in the New York Times. The Los Angeles Times described it as a tone-deaf, scattershot, and dispiritingly cheesy affair with more groans than laughs, and though McDonald does uncork a few solid one-liners, his lack of conviction in his acting is amusing in and of itself, but it doesn't help the movie much. The San Francisco Chronicle recommended the film only for people who like stupid, low-down, vulgar comedy. I had a few good laughs. The film has been described as a cult classic. In his column, My Year of Flops, critic Nathan Rabin describes Dirty Work as an example of the ironic, dumb comedy, the slightly postmodern, low-brow gag fest that so lustily, nakedly embraces and exposes the machinations and conventions of stupid laughers that it becomes a sort of sublime bit of meta-comedy. When asked about a sequel in 2018, McDonald stated, it was an R-rated movie, so we made it that way. Then they made it a PG-13, so half the movie had to be cut so it's hard for me to see it objectively. There might be another one coming now, I guess. McDonald did not elaborate further regarding the potential sequel. Bob Saget spoke about the sequel in May of 2021 in an interview with Kevin Hart on his podcast, Comedy Gold Mines. Hart praised the film's moments and innovations to which Saget replied, you wanna be in the sequel, we're making it. Hart said he'd do a cameo without hesitation, declaring dirty work to be one of his favorite movies of all time. McDonald died four months later in September 2021, essentially ending talks of a sequel, followed soon after by Saget's death in January 2022. Happy anniversary, Dirty Work. R.I.P. Bob Saget, Norm McDonald, Don Rickles, Chris Farley, Gary Coleman. Thank you. In today's birthdays for June 12th, turning 32 today is American basketball player and NBA champ, Drew Holiday. Turning 43 is American basketball player and coach, Earl Watson. Also turning 43 today is American football player, Dallas Clark. Happy 45th birthday to American singer, songwriter, and guitarist, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Turning 46 is American basketball player and sportscaster, Anton Jameson. Both turning 48 today is American basketball player Kerry Kittles and American actor and producer Jason Mewes, you know, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. Snooge to the Nuge. Happy 51st birthday to American weightlifter, wrestler, sexual chocolate himself, Mark Henry. Turning 59 today is American wrestler Jerry Lynn. Happy 60th birthday to Canadian psychologist, professor, and cultural critic Jordan Peterson. Turning 63 today is Canadian actor and comedian Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall. And turning 65 years old today is American actor, director, and producer Timothy Busfield.
So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. As always, make sure to check out my other show, Happened in the 90s, every Thursday with my buddy Matt G. Crush Jabbing with Kendra every Wednesday. B3F Podcast. And don't worry, be movies with Amanda and Wade. Y'all be cool. And also, y'all stop crying and boohooing over Michael B. Jordan getting his heart broke. He should know better. If you knew better, you do better. He'll be eyes. Happy to the best of us. Y'all be cool. Now. My elevated mind state is high.